Hi, I'm your host, Lillian Yang. And I'm your host, Fakri Shafai. And you are listening to Food Nonfiction, the incredible true stories behind food. This is an episode about the history of Halloween and trick-or-treating. Halloween is my favorite holiday. It's been one of my favorite holidays since I was a little kid. It was my grandmother's favorite holiday, so I kind of picked up on that. We'd go to her house, she'd have all her decorations out, always had lots of candy corn, and I've actually inherited my grandmother's uh, decorations after she passed, so every year I get to put them up and feel close to her and eat lots of candy. Plus, what I love about Halloween is it's one of the few holidays where I don't have to go shopping. <laughs> like, there's no gifts involved. It's just fun costume, lots of candy, and no pressure. So let's get into it. We called Professor Nick Rogers, who wrote the book Halloween from Pagan Ritual to Party Night. I'm a professor of history at York University, Toronto. So how did you get interested in the topic? I didn't actually celebrate Halloween when I was a kid. I came from that part of England where it wasn't celebrated. The day that we celebrated was bonfire night on the 5th of November, which commemorates a a plot to blow up the Houses of Parliament, which was discovered and became a kind of national holiday in England. And uh, Halloween was repressed in most parts of England, though not in Scotland and Ireland, as a result of the uh, Protestant Reformation. So when I came over here and had children and took them out trick-or-treating, I thought, well, what's this holiday all about? There's always some argument about the origin of things, but it's commonly accepted that the origins of Halloween trace back to a Celtic holiday called Samhain from Ireland. In Gaelic, it's spelled S-A-M-H-A-I-N. The Celts celebrated Samhain at the end of October through to the beginning of November. For the Celts, the end of October was also the end of the year. Their new year started on November 1st. The end of October was also the end of summer and the end of their harvest. If you think about what this must have meant to people who lived off the land, the time around October 31st would have been a time to think about the trials of winter, a time to think about darker, colder days and the difficulties of survival basically a time to think about death. It was believed to be a time when the boundary between our world and the spirit world was so thin that spirits could pass through and roam amongst the living. So there was a practice of dressing up as spirits and being mischievous that came from Samhain. It was a spiritual time with bonfires built to pray for the sun to return, blood sacrifices offered to the gods to thank them for the harvest, and druids divining the future. By the way, In ancient Rome, at a similar time in history, the Romans celebrated Pomona, a night named after the goddess Pomona to thank her for the harvest. As the Romans conquered more of Europe, they also spread the celebration of Pomona. And eventually, the two celebrations, Pomona and Samhain, were mixed into one another. But of course, these were pagan holidays, and as Christianity emerged, there was a great distrust of paganism. Rather than attempt the colossal task of stamping out pagan practices altogether, there was the idea that these practices could be adapted to fit Christianity. So Pope Gregory III claimed November 1st as All Saints Day, a day to honor the saints. In this way, people could still celebrate around the time of November 1st, but start celebrating All Saints Day instead of Samhain. 
By the way, All Saints Day is also known as All Hallows Day, which is also known as Hallowmas. The day before November 1st, so October 31st, became known as All Hallows Evening. And you can see how that could eventually become the word Halloween. A lot of the rituals that are used in practice, I should say, in Halloween come from really the Christian festival itself, such as masking, threshold encounters, merriment, a degree of sort of topsy-turviness as well. What is threshold encounters? Well, it's like trick-or-treating, people coming to your door, Usually uh, there's a, an exchange of gifts of some kind. Um, in the early Halloween, people would come to, mainly poor people would come to the doors of rich people and in return for food and liquid replenishment of some kind, um, would pray for the souls of the dead because it was believed in the medieval time that if you prayed hard enough for the souls of the dead that um, you could get them to heaven, basically. So trick-or-treating is something that came from Hallowmas? Yes, it is. I mean, the threshold encounter coming to the door and so forth. There was a long tradition of this, so people would come to the door. It's a bit like mumming. They would dress up, they might do a turn, they might come into the house, they might do a parody of some of the members of the house. Um, so there was this sort of sense of topsy-turviness. Now, in North America, the holiday comes over in the middle of the 19th century. It's a holiday practiced by people from Celtic Britain, that is mainly the Scots and the Irish. And it remains a sort of ethnic holiday, and most people think it's going to die out, but it doesn't. And what happens around 1880 is it starts to get adopted by everybody on the North American continent. It gets absorbed even into sort of elite rituals for the fall and becomes a sort of fall Mardi Gras of sorts uh, on the street. I mean, it was uh, on the streets, there was a lot of sort of mischief and things like that. Kids would go around with sacks of flour and playfully bash people over the head and shower them with flour or with soot or something like this. That, there was a lot of complaints about that in the, in the 1890s. Within the houses, there would be games that would foretell the future, mainly. Perhaps about who you're going to marry, perhaps about the next death in the family. All sorts of games like this were played in the 1870s through to the 1890s. But over time, the holiday becomes increasingly commercial. So that in, say, the 1870s and 80s, um, there are advertisements for apples and nuts and ice cream, sometimes grapes for Halloween. Uh, grapes being, in the 19th century, um, a treat, really, because they weren't that very accessible. And by the 1920s, the holiday is being celebrated in offices in much the way that offices and banks celebrate the holiday today. The earliest source we could find that referenced the term trick-or-treat in print was in 1927. In a 1927 edition of Herald from Alberta, Canada, it said, The youthful tormentors were at back door and front, demanding edible plunder by the word trick or treat, to which the inmates gladly responded and sent the robbers away rejoicing. The 1950s were when Halloween really started to be associated with candy. Before that, candy companies really focused on the other holidays, like Christmas and Easter. In the beginning of trick-or-treating, you could get money, toys, baked goods, all sorts of things. It didn't have to be candy. 
But when candy companies marketed candy for Halloween, it was an easy sell. Candy is cheap. It's easy to hand out, and it keeps for a long time. Especially with growing fears of homemade treats being poisoned, factory-produced candies are now the only way to go, with the occasional bag of chips or can of pop. And for our newer listeners, if you want to hear more about the hysteria around poisoned Halloween candy, please check out our episode that came out last year, right before Halloween, titled Halloween Candy Horror. What is your favorite part of Halloween? My favorite part of Halloween? Um, I think the humor and the parody that you sometimes get in looking at the costumes. The other thing I like about it is it's actually an unofficial holiday. It's not an official holiday of the state. It's not sanctioned. Will you be celebrating it this year? Uh, yeah, yeah, I am celebrating. I'm actually throwing a party this year. So, Fakri, you have news for us. Oh, that's right. I recently accepted a postdoc position. I will be moving to Ontario, London, Ontario, to go to Western University for my postdoc. And that's amazing. Congratulations. Thank you. I'm really excited about it. And uh, so I'll be moving there in September. Yay. It's a long ways away, but it's nice to have um, it's nice to have that known ahead of me so I can really enjoy my time off after graduation. That's true. You have everything all set up. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> so since Halloween is your favorite holiday. I guess you better tell us what you're dressing up as. So I've actually been planning this particular costume for over a year. I tried oh, to get the stuff. Wow. <laughs> I, I tried to get the stuff together for it last year and things were on back order. So I just couldn't make it happen last year. So as soon as they came out of back order right after Halloween, I bought all the stuff and got it ready. So I am going to be a character from the show Bob's Burgers, if anybody watches that. I am going to be Louise Belcher, the one that wears the pink bunny rabbit ears. And what part of this was in back order? The ears. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Is it that popular? It is. People really like this. In fact, there's a hot dog place here in Vancouver that is transforming itself this weekend to a Bob's Burgers restaurant. Everybody's dressing up as it. They're actually serving some of the burgers of the day that Bob has in the cartoon. So I'm going to show up in my costume and rock it. <laughs> that sounds amazing. I'm excited. I love Halloween. I've heard that's a really good show too. It is. It's funny. And what are you going to be, Lillian? I'm also going to be from a TV show. <laughs> There's a TV show, not for younger viewers because it's extremely violent, called Attack on Titan. And I'm going to be a character called Mikasa, who is super powerful. She can basically defeat anyone, and she's very protective of her adopted brother. Aww. Yeah. So instead, she's like the damsel that rescues you from distress. Exactly. Love and it. She carries swords. By the way, Lillian showed me her sword. It's huge. I feel like she's going to fall over walking with it because it's so big. It was a mistake to buy it. But I was on the internet. And I was on Amazon and eBay. And it just, it happened. Huge mistake. <laughs> well, you just have to be that character for like the next five years to make it break even for 
costume cost. That's actually already my plan. Okay. <laughs> I was going to pick up one expensive piece each year to become that character entirely. But this year I basically have the sword and a cape. And next year maybe I'll pick up her clothes as well. Awesome. So our listeners uh, back home, I hope you guys have a wonderful Halloween, a safe Halloween. Enjoy all the candy. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Bye.